everyone, and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street. A monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on all of the usual socials or subscribe to our Patreon for bonus content and merch. You can find all of that by visiting us at allmylinks.com backslash A Nightmare on Fear Street or in our episode descriptions wherever you're listening to this podcast at. All right, everyone. Today we're covering American Psycho because you know what? Why not? It feels timely every every other day, <laughs> but this is continuing our summer of chaos where we let a wheel tell us what to cover. So, I mean, I guess it's best summarized as surprise because we were surprised on Thursday, <laughs> Thursday. And as we watch these movies, which have no common threads. None, none whatsoever. But you know what? It's fun. That's what we like for summers. We like to keep you all on your toes and you never fucking know what's going to happen. Listen, we don't even know what's going to happen. So, right? surprise to everybody involved. But yeah, we got lots to talk about because this movie is wild. I, I don't think I've seen it as an adult. Um, I, really? I think last time I saw it, was like, I was a small baby child. Okay. I love this. <laughs> I have the. I don't. I don't really know if there's anything different about it because sometimes you know they re-release things and it's like the collector's edition. And so I have the collector's director's cut version on DVD, but I don't remember. There's. I don't think there's anything like that's cut out or like not or like added to it. So <laughs> it just has a lot of special features, <laughs> which is cool. <laughs> which- I mean. I don't know. I don't know what I would want for special features for this, to be honest. Maybe a little bit more Christian Bell running around naked, perhaps. Perhaps. I'm interested in the book. I've never read it. I've never known anyone who has read it. But if it's anything like this movie... (laughs) (laughs) From what my quick little Wikipedia time um, told me is this director... Oh, I have her name in my notes. Hold, please, because I'm bad with names. Mary Herrer, if I'm saying mm-hmm. that correctly, her and her co-writer, um, when they adapted it from the book, made it less problematic. Because apparently okay. the book is very white men gone wild. And they were like, we can have some of that, but we also got to scare it down some. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so well, the, yeah. the book is supposedly more misogynist and awful. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Good to know. Because, I mean, this movie is very, I mean, I think that's the point, though, is that it's very macho and, like, toxic masculinity. Like, one of my notes is literally, this is, the this film is the poster child of toxic masculinity and how a lot of cishet white men don't understand that is a real problem. Listen, that's always my thesis. That's my favorite <laughs> song. Um, I, I think that, because it is it is billed as a satire. It is. And like the writer was like, nobody's going to be able to put this on film. And Mary's like, ha ha, bitch. And so I think that this is definitely one of those cases where we know it's a satire. And so we let a lot of it go. But I, I think that some people also see satire and don't unpack it. Um, so we have a lot of like straight white dudes out here being like, hi, it's so funny because it's off the walls. Meanwhile, how are they not this character? Or any of the other people that let him get away with it. Listen, listen, we live in America. Um, <laughs> have you seen my friend, the news? Um, and so <laughs> the news is your friend? Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> She's just here throwing out names, throwing out situations. Um, but yeah, no, I think that there's a lot to unpack in this one. And so like, I, I wouldn't have picked this movie, um, but I'm happy we're here. Because I think that it, it deserves a, quite a few of the things and theses and ideas that we have on this 
Yeah. Yeah. I actually, yeah, because I think this movie, I, yeah, I was one to pick this movie because I think that. Oh, I knew it was you. <laughs> right. Because if it's not you, it's got to be somebody. <laughs> it wasn't <Okay>. Cher. <laughs> but I do think this movie opens up really interesting conversations about, talk, about masculinity, about capitalism, about, um, just the the business obsession in America, especially where it's set in the eighties, but like it even happens today. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think that this is, and, and while it also is, I mean, there's some parts that I, it is so sarcastic that it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm, there's a, there's some yucks. Um, it, it's definitely just. I also love that it's set in the 80s because I feel like for a lot of us, the 80s was definitely that like big leap. And no, we really are consumers. We really are about capitalism in a way that never had been seen before. Mm-hmm. Instead of us being ashamed and hiding all of the like selfish greed, we were like, no, put it forward. That's what makes America first. And yeah. we got these businessmen who became billionaires and are still ruining things today. So like the 80s specifically, because like seeing them like fight for these restaurant reservations and seeing them name drop with these big ass <laughs> cell phones. Um, this, scene, this scene that gets me every single time I watch this movie is when they're arguing or when they're having the competition about who has the best business card. Oh my God. Oh my. <laughs> like it's, the male ego, specifically the white oh male ego. God. This felt like National Geographic for white men in the 80s. <laughs> and, uh, it was like a Christian Bale in his wild. Um, <laughs> but like, I I did not remember how stacked this cast was. Oh my God, it's so big. It's so great. Oh. Everybody, everybody there. Reese Witherspoon is there. Um, Chloe Yes. Josh Lucas, Jared Leto before he was a problem. He was the most shocking person in the cast because I was like, oh no, he he tried to start a cult. We, we let him work. And I was like, that's right. This was 22 years ago. Breathe. Yeah. Breathe. Back, 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 back. <laughs> None of us knew and, back then. And I mean, he does, get, he does get his due, so. <laughs> Not soon enough. <laughs> Not soon enough. But yeah, no, it's a very sad cast of all white people. We only have the one black person and it's an unhoused man who's murdered first. Early yeah. aughts. Yeah. Actually, not even early aughts, just film. Just yeah. film. Just film in general. Yeah. He had very few lines and was the first victim. So we were like, oh, we're going to start the spree with the one black person we're going to see. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. I'm curious. How, okay. When, because it, okay, it read to me like people just did not want to hear what Patrick was saying. Uh, for example, like in the bar, the very, like the very top of the film, in the bar where he goes to order the drink and the woman's like, uh, no, that's, you're going to, this is the actual price or something like that. And she turns around to make his drink and he's like, you're, uh, you're a fat piece of shit, ugly person, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to murder you and your blood's going to run all over my body or something like that. And then she it turns around like she didn't hear him. There's many times like that. Like I wrote down a whole bunch of them. Like that one though, she's working, so she's not trying to listen to businessmen who are problematic. Also, it's a loud ass bar. Right. So she might not have heard him if he said it out loud, which we don't know if he said it out loud or not, because See, the ending leaves question. it ambu- ambiguous. And I don't like that for this movie. I'd rather I us agree. hold this white man a task like he did these things. Yeah. Um, aside from the like ridiculous blowing up a cop car with a gun, um, he did these things. Let's let him have that. Let's let him own that and be like white men are the problem. Right. And I will say, I I, I do agree that the end being ambiguous is bad. Um, but I do think it's interesting that even though they make it ambiguous, that he actually, if he actually did these things or not, when Chloe Savigny's character, I can't think of her name, but the 
the secretary that he's belittling the entire damn movie go sneaks into his office and looks at his planner and, yeah uh, and sees all his doodles or whatever of like the violence that he sees in his head i think that at least there's that in there i do agree though that we needed yeah. to just leave it like he did the fucking shit in there but- when Gene finds that and the lawyer's telling him he had dinner with Jared Leto's character, Paul, I was like, no, 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 no. Let's not let him off the hook because, like, it, 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 you have to make a choice in a movie. Otherwise, why are we here? And I know that the book probably is a little ambiguous. And I know that Mary, because I was reading a couple of, like, interviews with her, she was like, I don't like that people just assume that it was all in his head. I wanted it more murky than that. Um, and so she would redo the ending if she could redo it again, she was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think it's a more interesting choice instead of having us live in his like fever dream to have him be doing these awful things and then to have him get away with it at the end as most white men want to do. Because, um, right. Because there's so yeah. many times that he is so obvious about what he is doing, but everyone around him is giving him a pass because that's what white, specifically white cis straight men get away with all the time. Listen. Like. The woman, I, I wrote down a whole bunch of them. The woman in the laundromat who sees the blood stains, but he says they're uh, cranberry, cranberry juice. juice. Girl, you ain't, you ain't spilled no cranberry juice on your on yourself Listen, before. Were you in an ocean spray factory explosion? <laughs> right. Did you take a shower in cranberry juice? Listen. Um, dragging the dead body, leaking, literally leaking, leaving a trail of liquid of some kind. I'm assuming blood, but it didn't. I couldn't tell. Uh, in front of the security guard and the people who recognize him on the street as he's putting the dead body in the trunk of a taxi. Like, <laughs> what? I, here's the thing. I think that if we'd made the choice that he really did do these things, we could have also made a statement about how white men get away with all kinds of awful crimes on the news stuff. every day, every day. Like, we're recording this July 4th, and there was just a shooting in High Park, Illinois, and we know that if it's a white man, he's going to make it into the prison safely. And we'll talk about mental illness as opposed right. to, because I mean, I'm saying if it's a white man. <laughs> um, and it's like, the other option. Yeah, yeah, like, right. But meanwhile, like black people going to get groceries are in danger because the police might be uncomfortable. And right. so like that, it just makes more sense to have that indictment and have one movie get it. Yeah. Um, I, and again, I don't know what Mary and her co-writer talked about. And I also don't know studio pressures because like, first off, she was removed from this project because they wanted a different director because that director wanted Leo DiCaprio and when Leo DiCaprio and that director walk and it's a big name, it's a big white man name and I should know it. People are going to be like, how dare you forget this important white man name? Fuck him okay. right now. He's, it's not about him. Um, okay. But they decided to walk and the studio was like, well, let's bring Mary back because again, women are dis- exposable. <laughs> Um, so they were like, well, Mary, you can have your job back and you can bring Christian Bale back because what we wanted didn't happen. So might as right. well do whatever this was. Honestly, I could not see DiCaprio in this role. People like Leo and Leo used I don't to have be a able problem to act. Him. He used to be able to act. I'm not going to take that away from him. Um, when I was a little baby and I made a crush on him, I noted him doing the things in Romeo and Juliet and what's even Gilbert Grape and Titanic and these other movies. I think somewhere along the way, he did that thing that a lot of people who become too big in Hollywood do and just stop trying. And yeah. so the last few times I've seen him in something, it felt like he was just like, I'm Leo and you're all welcome. And that's not what I'm going to pay money for. Yeah. Yeah. But even, I just, I, I just think, yeah. Um, Christian Bale is just the perfect person for this role. I couldn't see Leonardo DiCaprio in it. I, I can't, there's not many people I could see pulling uh-huh. off this 
this chaotic but still charming and still kind of funny role. And I and don't get me wrong, I know Christian Bale since then has done some problematic things, especially with backstage working with crew and you know audio getting out of that. But he his performance in this film was fantastic. Here's my thing about Christian Bale. I didn't see his character, Patrick, as charming. I see Christian Bale as a hot actor playing an awful person, but I don't think that character gets to be charming because of that. I will say that as much as any other problematic white man in Hollywood. (laughs) Um, He he is not alone, and we need to talk about that whole situation because we have Joaquin Phoenix out here punching extras and people trying to give him Oscars Mm -hmm. for it. Um, Mm -hmm. Fuck your white men. But anyway, Christian Bale in this movie particularly, he's he's serving like a Jim Carrey with an axe, which is very off-putting and very, <laughs> right? Like it's, true. it's very ridiculous. It's a comic book villain. And so it feels like he's playing it as if this is not a real world. He is, mm. And he's already made the choice that this is all happening in his head and he's just having fun and doing fucked up shit. And that's a moment. Um, but it also, it, it also helps with that ending being so murky that we don't know what was real if any of it was real because yeah. he ran around like a Dick Tracy character the whole movie but right. with a little pistol <laughs> just like um okay oh and then I think the funniest like mishearing or like him getting away with something to me was when he's talking to that other lady in the bar later on in the movie and she asks him what he does or what his work what his works into and he says murders and executions and <laughs> she says oh mergers and acquisitions <laughs> <laughs> which Actually, is a very interesting like comparison with capitalism and how capitalism kills people on the daily. Listen, like killing our real. souls, um, killing our housing, killing Health. whole groups of people, um, killing children, literally, actively, right now as we speak. <laughs> um, yeah, it's an awful place to be. If you're not in America, you're lucky. You're lucky. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Hold up. I don't, I don't know if I have to go that far because there's some shitty places in Europe as well. So, I mean, there's some shitty places everywhere, but I feel like we're in a country that is so selfish that it's oh, actively just like, kill the people. We can't care. Can you pay your bills? We have right. to like meet our quotas. Um, like we, we don't do things that are obvious steps, which is why right. children are in danger in schools. It's why black people are forever being hunted. It's why women are forever being hunted. It's why women are having rights snatched away specifically. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's why we keep negotiating if my friends can or cannot get married. This is a shitty country. This is, there's, no, there's no empathy in this country. And sometimes right. I just want to like throw my computer and leave. Um, yeah. But also most of the countries I would run to don't want Americans <laughs> because right. look, what, what, what will we bring with us? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and then the scene where he literally is shooting up a bunch of cops and explodes a car and then runs away and shoots two security guards for no reason and then like continues that. I'm just like, if this were, I, <laughs> it's, what? Like, Why did he get away with anything? It is it is the most unchecked white man um, we've seen on this podcast. Uh, and we, we deal with serial killers and we deal with <laughs> night-wielding cycles from the underworld. Um, but yet, the scariest villain we have is a white man. Um, oh, that just landed. Uh, right. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? I wish, I, you know, I said, I said this earlier, I just wish more cishet white men would watch this movie and get it for what it fucking is and see this is what this is this is what black people, people of color, women 
queer people, transgendered people are terrified of because your ass is out of control. Mm-hmm. Wild, wild now. Out of pocket, doing the most to do the least. Because you know Patrick Bateman would have voted for Trump. You know he oh, would have. Yeah. yeah. It's Mary Heron. I just double checked because I was like, I don't believe I spelled that right. It's Heron. So retract what I did up top and give Mary her respect. We're, we're sorry, Mary. Yeah. Right? Um, because I was going to bring up uh, her her credits because she, she again, co-wrote and directed this, but she has a history of wild-ass gigs. Like, she was directing Awe, she was directing some of Six Feet Under, some of the Constantine television show, and so forth. So she's been navigating um, as a woman in these spaces predominantly, like, overrun by men. Yeah, and she's never, as far as I know, never want, not never been at the Oscars or the Emmys or the, like, which is a travesty. Of course not. She's a woman. Right. <laughs> That's her own fault. <laughs> how she, dare she? How dare she be born that way? Right? Her and her ovaries can just, like, go ahead and, like, exit stage left. Um, we don't give women things here. But, like, I just, yeah, I think it's cool because I, I don't know a lot about her, even though apparently I've seen a lot of her work because I was watching Oz as a child, which we'll unpack that later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's just cool to have her in these spaces where when we talk about these shows, talk about these, like, male directors and these male writers. And she's like, no, I got this. And then they give her American Psycho, um, especially because they like to label her as a feminist director. And she's like, why can't I just be a director? <laughs> right, she's like right. I am a feminist yes but also like is it just because I'm a woman and you don't have any other women in this room right oh yeah I mean it, it, the tokenism in Hollywood is insane mm, that's okay. that's the gay movie you got you got two gay movies this year you don't need any more you got one movie directed by Greta Gerwig that's all you need right black <laughs> you people got a Jordan Peele 12... film what more do you want black people have 12 years of slave what else do we ever want <laughs> God, yes Yes. I will never watch that movie just on principle. I'm tired of us having to be slaves. I'm tired of us acting like Lupita can only give us that for an award-winning performance when every time she opens her mouth, she deserves an award. But yet, if she's not in shackles, we can't acknowledge her. Right. Yeah. I've seen that movie, but I wouldn't even recommend it. (laughs) No. Like, I I cannot anymore. I cannot anymore. Like, as a child, I had to watch Roots because we were homeschooled. So that was somehow what we did for Black History Month one year. I don't know how and why, because there was no context. It was just like, here's Roots. Right, and right. I was like, that's the guy from Reading Rainbow. I'm confused. But <laughs> like, <laughs> that, was the last, that was the last movie I needed to see about slaves, because that 19 hours of a film gave me everything I needed to know. And then yeah. like the internet is down and out here for all of us to support ourselves. So like, right. I don't need to go and watch white people envision slavery, Brad Pitt. Um, I I don't need it. I'm I'm sorry. You're very proud of Toby as a slave. Right. I don't know what to tell you. It's not for me. Miss me. And yeah. Well, and it's like you know, movies that involve queer people, they're usually going to die, or they're going to get AIDS, or they're going to, you know, not something bad is going to happen, especially if it's on television. If it was the '90s and it wasn't Will and Grace, I did not know queer people could survive. I thought that everybody was sickly and dying. Because you had you had Philadelphia, you had and the band plays on. You had you had all these like tragic queer movies, and I'm just even, like even as far as like Buffy. And, like, listen, listen, like, don't eat. Mm. That's why no. I'm worried about Stranger Things, y'all. I'm worried, and if it happens, I'll be pissed. 
Like, they need to let Will come out that closet next season if he hasn't. I, I still have to finish Stranger Things, so oh, I'm not okay. even going to open it. But if he doesn't come out the closet this I'm season, I don't think he's going to. Because yeah. him and Eleven start off as, like, a queer <laughs> buddy. They're besties. I'm like, girl, this is your, like, best gay friend. Um, And he's like, look at my haircut. Don't look at me. And I'm like, Will, baby, <laughs> clip it, clip it. <laughs> We're here for you. We're here for you. Right. Anyway, let's not get too much into Stranger Things because I don't want to <laughs> accidentally spoil anything. But anyway, so I... <laughs> um, one of the things I did find funny in this movie is him working out to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I have a, yes, I thought that too. <laughs> <laughs> I said the fact that he uses Sally screaming in Texas Chainsaw Massacre to work out to. I mean, she does scream for 75% of that movie, so he has plenty of material. Like and he can work out for that however long that movie is. Listen, listen, I wanted I wanted to tag the person we had on as a guest for that one because I it, it just it sent me. It sent me. I, <laughs> <laughs> um it's especially funny because his most iconic kill in the movie is him running ass naked down the hallways of this place while this woman screams and nobody comes to help her because people ignore women all the time. Um with a chainsaw. You're like, where do you get a chainsaw in his New York apartment? He lives on Wall Street. Nobody saw him bring up a chainsaw and didn't ask questions. Exactly right, right, and yeah. then yeah, like that was most iconic kind of kill of the movie. Most iconic kind of kill of the movie, though. Oh yeah, that or I also think that the because the scene I see used a lot is him about to kill Jared Leto, and he's like got everything covered. Like I don't know about you, Sheree, but if I ever walked into someone's home and like the furniture is all covered in felt and cloth, there's newspaper taped on the ground. I'm like, I don't feel safe. Paul <laughs> what was is not going a bright. Paul was not a bright soul, which is why he was not around most of the movie. Because <laughs> he was like, do you have a puppy? And he, another another thing they kept sending me is they kept um, not knowing who Patrick Bateman was. So they'd be talking to him about Patrick Bateman and what a weak-ass bitch Patrick Bateman is. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> come back to my apartment. <laughs> right. But it did show how oblivious men are to how toxic masculinity also victimizes them like they need like it's just it, it like wake up people smell the coffee beans please listen listen um i, I i've only ever seen used anyways and like other stuff the running through the hallways ass naked covered in blood with a chainsaw and nobody batting an eye because i mean like nobody was like in new york mm, right <laughs> yeah. right because, I mean, ignoring women in distress, we see that in all the horror movies and in real oh, life. Right. Um, it's why we're taught to yell fire as opposed to assault, because nobody will care if we're being assaulted. But if there's a fire, people might be like, oh, am I in danger? Come on out. Right. Um, it's an awful place to live if you missed the beginning of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Um, I did like that Mary chose, and well, I, I, I say Mary, I'm assuming it's in the book. And if not, I'm even more happy with her that the queerness of this film and the queerness of almost every male character in this film, especially, I mean, you clearly got the red, I don't remember his name, the redheaded guy. See if I with a new business it. card. With the, with the nice business card. Because <laughs> that's what a game changer. It's like another new business card. Oh no, I gotta sprinkle them right now. <laughs> but yeah, and their interaction in the uh, bathroom where he tries to kill, like, and then Patrick also kind of has some queerness to him as well, but they're always trying to like kill that or murder that or become more macho than that. 
like, yeah, I appreciated that. I, I think that at the heart of most toxic men is an unwillingness to address parts of themselves, whatever those parts may be. I don't want to say it's always clear because like we right. have a lot of chads out here doing a lot of fucked up shit and they don't get a pass. We're no. not going to Kevin Spacey, a bunch of fools. Um, oh, and so, <laughs> but I think that most men, it, there is a certain part of it, whatever the fuck up behaviors they're exhibiting and that they just won't be honest with themselves about something, whether that's them being small, whether that's them not having the lives they wanted, whether that's them being like a little bit more feminine than they want to, or just like other toxic men who beat the fuck out of them as children because like toxic masculinity is taught. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so- yeah. So again, if therapy were free, perhaps we could have less of the violence in this country. It wouldn't be gone because we won't get rid of the guns, obviously, but we could have less violence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we could get rid of the guns if they would wake the fuck up and be like, maybe I don't need this gun. But then, however, will we be on the news? And however, will the NRA <laughs> bring the government more money? Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, we need to, I want to be in a country with more therapy and less guns. That sounds like heaven. When I was in London for three days, I was not worried about being shot. That's a good play. That's a good, that's a good yeah. mindset. Only time in my life where I wasn't like, oh no, I hope nobody's got a gun because nobody had a gun. Right. <laughs> nobody Imagine had a that, one. America. I could still get robbed, yes. Um, maybe even held up at night point, yes. But like the odds were in my favor, I would not be shot. Um, and the I way would that much rather be pressure, stabbed than shot. The way that lowered my blood pressure. Dewey got stabbed in every movie, um, and he was fine until later it's on a, in it life. It took him four movies. Four movies. Listen, listen. If y'all ain't seen that, skip ahead. Um, but like, look how <laughs> look how look how Deputy Dewey turned out. David Arquette was just like sometimes I have a limp, sometimes I won't. Um, but he was there. He, he was, was there. alive and kicking. Listen, with his good leg. Uh, and so I just, yeah, I want out of this country. If anybody's listening. <laughs> but, I, but honestly, though, this is a, one of the best depictions of America, especially in the 80s. Especially with... 80s, with, 90s, today. Like, today, literally. Yeah. You can't tell me Patrick Bateman didn't walk from this movie into a White House near you. They walked into Trump's cabinet. <laughs> listen, listen, they are sitting on the Supreme Court right now and being like, I don't understand science or women, but you know what I'm going to do? Fuck them up. <sighs> yes, yes, yes. Um, speaking of other things Patrick Bateman has said and done that were not good times, Huey's too black sounding for me when talking about Huey Lewis in the news. Oh, right. Because yeah. William Defoe, who I did not name check in the set cast, because it's a fucking cast, um, is the detective. And they're talking about music because, like, I think he's on to him a little bit, but he can't say that. So he's like, you, do you listen to Huey Lewis in the news? Which, of course, he fucking does. He killed Paul Allen to it. Um, or we think he did, because, again, murky. And he's like, Huey's too black sounding for me. And I was like, is this a Stephen King novel? What the fuck happened, Patrick? <laughs> Same thing. I was like, did Stephen King write that line? Right? <laughs> Like the Stephen King popped out of Mary, and she's like, "Oh." <laughs> uh, but his love of music, and it's not even—I don't think it's an honest love so much as he's reporting these facts so he could sound normal, like having a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. You know, he's trying to like have this life. He's like, people my age like music. Cause I'm 27, so he's listening to all of these like people, and he knows all these like facts about them, but he spits them out like <laughs> he's reading. 
as opposed to, I really enjoy it. Do you know that this happened with this person? He's like, and then she said this and then that, and that song's about this, and why the people are like fucking on his bed because he's like right. making them fuck in a not sexy way. Also, <laughs> hear me out. Mary was not about giving them sex through the male gaze. Nope, not at all. Especially that scene where uh, the second time he gets the sex worker from the, the, the street and takes her home. Yeah. And then I don't know what he did to that woman in the bed, but it was not okay. He came up with a face full of blood. And I was like, <laughs> you just ruined something for me, Mr. Bateman. Because um, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, Christian Bale, get it. I was like, oh, I forgot who we was. Oh, no, you in danger, girl. Run, run. Um, but she I tried. Listen, she I opened tried. up all the doors in the fucking apartment. Like, do you not remember where the front door is? Did you not remember? Right. And I will say, she was smart. There, there were not many. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I heard when you were about to go, she came back and she said she had to have surgery. And like her friend said, she said, Sue, after what he did to her last time. That's true. Yeah, that was a stupid move. And I get that we're trying to highlight that access is a thing and so when white men fuck up they just like oh so you want more money so i'm hearing you don't want an apology you want more money yeah and it so won't happen you, again this time will be different right so you wave more money in front of her and again she's a sex worker and so like she's not out here just because she wants a hobby she's out here making yeah. rent um, right right <laughs> so she's like I, I i lived the last time i could do it one more time and she did not she tried she got farther than anybody else because nobody else tried. They were just right. like, Patrick Bateman's a pussy. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, no, he's got a sword. <laughs> I was like, well, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the 80s, there are a few people in this entire existence that has ever existed that I hate more than, Don- than Ronald Reagan. My I note, see- fuck Reagan, literally, uh, is my last I, note. I see his face. And I go to the, I go to uh, the Clue movie, Flames, Flames on the side of my face. I, I just, go to the second place. I just go to the second place. <laughs> Either one. <laughs> I hate him so much, and I hope I never see him again, even though he's dead. I don't care. Listen, some people are better off dead. My literal note is "fuck Reagan." Because as a child of the 90s, I got to grow up in the, the aftermath of that bullshit. And a, a lot of good art is about fuck Reagan. Like, that's the thesis for most uh, Tony Kushner plays. <laughs> it is the thesis for most documentaries I've seen about that era. Mm-hmm. Um, the fallout is still, it's it's still very present. Yeah, which, to, to have a villain in office that of that magnitude so soon, and then to turn around and do it again so soon. Yeah, because I just missed Reagan. I just missed Reagan. And then I got to sit here for 45 like this didn't just fucking happen. Right. I Yeah, same. I mean. America won't learn. She's that girl who won't open the book. It's an open oak test and she just won't. Yeah. And yeah, and I, every every time I see Reagan's face, I, all, I mean, I, I think of the millions of artists, of scientists, of reporters of teachers of anybody people that he just let fucking die and it, and i get infuriated and there's you know I, I, where would we be today if he had done things differently how many people would still be alive how I many granted aids hiv 
was terrible. I, there may not have been much he could do, but at least he could have done something. He something. could have done. He could have done something. The way it was mishandled is is infamous. In infamous. I can't use words anymore. The way that he mishandled <laughs> it was so bad, and it made things so much worse. And it made so many more people more hostile towards communities that were suffering. And he's an asshole. And, yeah. and the only time I enjoy seeing Reagan's name on the timeline is when people are talking about how Nancy Reagan was a throat goat. Because you know what? Those two bitches deserved each other. Yeah. And, and, oh, yeah. And not only did the Reagan administration demonize the LGBTQIA community, they also demonized the people dealing with the, uh, addiction they 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 demonized people of color. They demonized, you know, so many people were left in worse places than they were at the beginning of that administration. Like when I think Republican, I think Reagan, and that's why I have a hard time with people who are like, "I'm Republican," and I'm like, "Why? Explain yourself. Right. right. <laughs> Explain yourself." Because, like, I mean. Yeah, the Bushes came after. I think both Bushes came after. Mm-hmm. Again, I was homeschooled, and also I was an infant if I was around for any of them. Right. <laughs> but they came after, and then we had like those pockets of like Clinton and Obama. And it's, how do you, how do you watch what Reagan did, and then continue being a Republican? Like, if I'm at a party and the party kills a bunch of people, and by a bunch I mean a few million, I don't right. want to be this party. <laughs> right. Uh, I yeah, yeah. I, and I always think about you know when Obama was in office, and there was the Ebola outbreak. This is when we were in college, so <laughs> we remember. And he got hit so hard for mishandling that. And which, granted, he might have done somewhat. But could you imagine if he did to what if he did that to that outbreak what Reagan did to AIDS? Here's my Can thing. You imagine. Here's my thing. I'm not saying that there was ever a perfect president, so I'm not going to say there's not. Be like, there's sure. not. Like, you, in order to be a president, you must be part sociopath. That's just what I've determined. But like, what he did with Ebola slash what Reagan did with HIV drugs and everything else. Right. <laughs> and the numbers, because we don't talk about Reagan in a bad light nearly enough, because we're all like patriotic, respect the presidents, fuck the presidents, fuck the presidents. They all keep fucking me over. Stop giving them free houses to fuck me over from. <laughs> do that I'm paying for them to fuck me over my taxes go to paying for them to fuck me over how is that fair for them to run through my fucking ovaries and tell me what I can and can't do with my body <laughs> when I didn't even fucking vote for most of them and like our our new problem in office can also get on that fuck the president train because like what's he doing not erasing student loans and not checking the supreme court yeah I don't know it, it, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, back to this movie because uh, we're just going down a, a, a spiral of depression. Uh, and I love it because Christian Bale's even from here, so he can like do these problematic characters and go back home if he wants to. <laughs> He's like, "Gotcha." He's like, mm, "I've seen enough. Good night." <laughs> um, so the end of the movie, we, 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 we've been talking about it a lot, but I did think there was an interesting line that I think could read either way. So the line is. This could it is I think it's the very last line of the film. Patrick says in his like voiceover, this confession has meant nothing. Which at first, before I read like before we had this conversation, I took that to be this confession has meant nothing because I will face no consequences to my own actions. But after you know, hearing you know, talking about the ambiguity of like, did he actually do it? Isn't it his head? 
then you could also mean that confession has meant nothing because I didn't actually do anything. Uh, so I, when I first read it, or when I first heard it, I really liked the line because, like I said, it went it went back to that white men can go and kill a whole fuck ton of people and then face no absolutely no consequences, as we just saw with the Supreme Court. So I really liked it then, but now I'm like, do I like it? Because I don't like that the end is ambiguous. Ambiguous. <laughs> I don't like that the end is ambiguous because I want that end to be very clear. That the real enemy here is cishet white men, toxic masculinity, capitalism, greed. I think that that line would have would have landed a little bit harder and a little bit truer if we had held him accountable and said he did all these things and he confessed to the lawyer who was going to cover it up for him because one white man is going to cover for another um, justice system. And so I think that it would have it would have it would have meant something. It would have had more weight if it had been like he just killed a bunch of women and the one black person in New York. Again, <laughs> stop doing movies in New York having one black person. Stop. We're in New York. You cannot have movies in New York without us. That's why Spider-Man had to shift. Like <laughs> we couldn't have another all-white Spider-Man because they were like, you know, we can't do anymore. This Lena Dunham shit. We gotta have black people. <laughs> we're gonna have <laughs> <in> New York. <laughs> Um, and so like that would have put a button on a really good manifesto of the fuck is white men um if he did all this shit and he confessed and the lawyer's like dude let it go i got an alibi for you fuck off and he's like my confession means nothing smile yeah i would love for mary to take another crack at the end of this movie just do it just do an edit just do a different edit and see what she see what she could come up with in, in today's lens, you know. I, I know this has a sequel with Mila Kunis. Um, I think she's the lead, so she gets to kill people. I have not seen it, I but like, it I think that we need to, we need to remake this because even twenty two years later, it's it's a different world because we're now talking more openly about some of these problems. Still not mm. fixing them. Still not yeah. fixing them. <laughs> um, but we're talking about them now. So we can we can stop kind of like coddle the Patrick Bateman and be like, maybe it's Monkey, maybe it's Maybelline. We could be like, no. He out here running around as a naked ass white man covered in blood with a chainsaw, getting away with it left and right. What we doing about America? I think we need more of that because like if you open the time on any given day, you get a bunch of chads out here just yelling into the void about things being too woke because there was two black people. Um, you have the CW who has CW Brown and won't go browner. Um, and so like we, the least we can do is talk about it. So like the rest of us aren't just in here like eternally screaming forever. Yeah, yeah. That would be interesting in a, in a remake or even a requel. Listen, if I got my hands on this property, we would first off have more black people because it's New York. Um, well, I think, I think if they did a remake, that would be the first move too. <laughs> no matter who was in Joel, hopefully. I you would that. you would think you I, I have hope think. in humanity, some too much hope in humanity. You have sometimes. too much, you got too much hope, Trent, because we're watching <laughs> white ass movies roll out now. You know how many movies we have that I said no to because it's an all white cast? And I'm like, for whom? <laughs> we do intersectional horror. If there's no intersections, what we'll gonna talk about, right? Right, <laughs> um, take your all white movie. <laughs> and your bad intentions, and he's on down the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I would like to see a remake from today's lens, even if it's still set in a, in the eighties or set in the nineties or set somewhere else. Who knows? Because, like you said, eighties, nineties, today. Yeah, I, eight point five. <laughs> listen, I 
And no diss to Mary, but like I, I, I think she's a white woman. I did not check too far. And I think that if we're going to really do American Psycho the way it needs to be done, because again, Source 3 was also written by who I assume is a white man. Um, we need to get like, uh, we need to get a BIPOC person's lens on it. For specifically a queer BIPOC person. I would love to see that. Um, if I can't do it, hire one of the many queer BIPOC people out here who are waiting to be hired and not given opportunities. And I think that would be cool because we can maybe navigate some of these tricky turns and conversations that are happening here in a more honest and direct way if producers get out of the person's way. Because, like, if they get Blumhouse, they get Blumhouse. But um, <laughs> if they can get Monkey Pod, that's the way. <laughs> that is the way. That's the moment. <laughs> Don't get Blumhouse, get Monkey Pod. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> This uh, drops around the time Nope is coming out. So hopefully we'll have seen it. Um, ooh, yeah. That's true. So it looks like Mary Heron and Guinevere Turner, who are the writers, the writers. Are, both, are both white women. Um, and Brett Easton Ellis, who wrote the novel, is a white man. Yep. Clocked it. I just assumed. There's some things you can tell without looking. Uh, I don't mean to be that person, but I just know because I, I looked at this and I looked at what they were saying about how it's different from the book. And I was like, this is a lot of white people. And I never I never yeah. thought to Google. I never thought to... <laughs> I just knew it in my heart, especially because it was the early aughts. Like this came yeah. out in 2000. We weren't letting black women direct anything. We just got Nia DaCosta to direct Candyman in the, in the last three years. One. Yeah, she was the first to write to direct a full a feature length or a feature main whatever their you know big budget horror film, black yeah. woman. So yeah, yeah, twenty twenty two, y'all. Which is another reason why if we remake this, we have to have queer BIPOC, hopefully femme person, because I think that without that, we're gonna be missing key pieces. Um, we also need them for the writers because, like, it, it starts with the script. If the script doesn't have it, the director can only do so much. Right. And so I wanted to just be like a very queer, brown, femme dominated project. We're saying it should be remade, but I don't think anybody's whispering about it because, like, it, it's too loud of a secret what white men do in this country. And so I think that <laughs> they were like, we gave you Mila Kunis in the sequel that nobody watched. Fuck off. Um, but I think that. There's stuff here. Mm. And whether or not they move it from the 80s or not, there's still stuff here because we could easily move this to the men 90s. or men, no matter what age. You can do it in the 1800s. Shit, still the same listen, thing. Listen, listen. <laughs> there is no good decade for a white man to look better. <laughs> <laughs> there just is not one. I, <laughs> the history books say so. <laughs> PBS says so. <laughs> well, some history books say so. Oh, don't even. <laughs> I can we talk about can we talk about how white men were like we're the worst? Let's also change the history books to reflect that we are not the worst because we can lie to anybody we want. Who's gonna check us? Like right. who gonna check us originated with a white man? I swear I don't have <laughs> I don't have a hard date. I don't have a hard book. <laughs> but the who gonna check us is big white man energy, which is why the time I'm trying to live my life now. Who gonna check me? Who gonna check me? Uh, yeah, I yeah yeah, I'm yeah. down for a remake, but but you know what? I'm also just down for another film to explore this that isn't a remake that has to feel like it has to stay true to the source material. You know what I mean? I think 
one of those times where you can say fuck the source material because like from what I'm what I've skimmed, it's more problematic because again, you have a white man writing about a white man. Um, so of course he's being too sympathetic, probably. And he's like, no, it's humor when I say these awful fucked up things. And it's not. We're not laughing with you, Kenny. Um, so I think right. that but I, sadly enough, people love to have an IP that has performed well before. So yeah. like Putting American Psycho on it will get more butts in seats as opposed to a white manifesto, which is what this really should be called. Anywho's, you have yeah. hot takes? Let's get to I mean, I think we both said our hot takes already, but let's <laughs> let's let's repeat it for those in the back, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Lada for you back there. Um <laughs> Um, so my hot take is I don't like that it's ambiguous, this ending. I say that as somebody who loves ambiguity, but I think it's more of a stance to say he murdered all those people and he is a monster we should fear. That's that's what will make this a horror movie because right now it's a thought experiment and nobody wants to do thought experiments. That's white man energy, devil's advocate and shit. Say it with your full chest to quote Jazz and that's scary. Say it with your full chest. You owe Jazz so much money. Listen, like if we ever start making money, we just have to go ahead and be like, and this is the jazz fund. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that's also why I think your no, your uh, hot take rolls into my hot take. Because I, I think that, well, my hot take is I wish more cishet white men would understand the real horror of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they don't understand it because the ending is so ambiguous. Yeah. Well, that's probably one reason. The other reason why is they're just. They can't see themselves. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You look in a mirror, Chucky. Um, Because, like, like, I'm fine with this being labeled as a horror movie because I'm afraid of white men. And I have so many reasons why. And so many decades before I was born um, to be afraid. Because, like, when shit pops off, I'm always the problem. Or he was afraid, so he shot at all of us. Or Mm. whatever the problem is. Like, it's... Or he had too many Twinkies, so therefore he shot Harvey Milk. Listen, 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 I have never (laughs) been in a movie theater being like, oh no, I don't feel safe as black people and women. I've been like, oh no, that dude's wearing a trench coat. Should I come back later? Right. (laughs) Should I I see the next showing of... (laughs) Right, right. If I'm at brunch and I see like a queer couple walk by, I'm not like, oh no. If I see police walk by, I'm like, oh no. And I... my heart stops because like it could be my day. It could be somebody yeah. else's day. Cause like I'm not usually the only black person around. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. And so yeah, this is a real horror movie. So it, it is. It's a horror the satire. It, <laughs> <laughs> a horror satire, which is interesting. We don't have many horror satires in the I think we have more than we want to admit in this genre that we live in. Yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe I just need to think about it more. Because, mm. like, at the time of this dropping, our Sleepaway Camp episode will be up on our Patreon. Oh, that's and that true. aunt was doing something. <laughs> I, I think uh, it might be satire. I don't know what she was doing, but it was something. It was, it was RuPaul's movie. Drag Race acting challenge. I'm telling you, that is listen, what it was. Listen, and listen. she did not win that competition. She didn't no. win that that was that was the Chrissy Mattel impersonating RuPaul that nobody wants to see again. Um, winner, winner, chicken, chicken dinner. dinner. <laughs> That's when I was like, my girl might be going home. Like, I love her. I always love Tracy Mattel, but that was a bad one. I was like, oh, she I'm doesn't even talk about that queen. anymore. She's like, I don't talk about that. It's why she won't do Drag Race no more because that still haunts her. Um, 
but back to American Psycho, if you want another take on American Psycho, Girl That's Scary covered both of them um, a few months mm -hmm. ago. I don't remember that because I have a bad memory, but I remember laughing as usual because it's Girl That's Scary. So it's a good time. So if, you, if you're like, I want more American Psycho and I want more lenses on it other than just white people, um, you can definitely hit up Girl That's Scary. Um, they're always a damn good time. And while you're there, give them five-star reviews. Yes, yes. Or subscribe to their Patreon. Why or not both? Why not both? Why not the both? day is young. The day is young. The year is halfway over. Let's do it. Do I don't it. know. I'm just stuck. Do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is our thoughts on American Psycho, on uh, many other things. As you know, we go down rabbit holes here on Fear Street. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us again this week. Next week, we'll be covering The Call. Not the Halle Berry movie, but the movie from Korea, from 2020. I love, yeah, 2020. Because yeah. um, it came out with like a bunch of other movies called The Call, but this is the Korean one, so it's the right one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's going to end this leg of what this wheel told us to do. Um, we will be spinning another wheel Thursday, Thursday. Um, I can't do math. I don't know if it's the Thursday, Thursday before this or if we're having one this week. However, if you see a Thursday, Thursday video in your timeline from last week or this week, starting Thursday, that's where we're picking our next four movies um, because we are still letting the wheel tell us what to do. So we will be surprised. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's uh, after the call. I just fucked up. Yeah. yeah. You know It'll what? Maybe Thursday after next week's episode. So you have a whole week to get ready. Unless the call drops the week after Thursday, Thursday. It doesn't. I just checked. Okay. Because I can't do math. Because <laughs> um, I'm going to look at a cow. Yeah, do Trent. Trent. Yeah, do. Is there a Monday after that? The first. It drops August first. Oh, you're right. I always forget. Yes, yes. So it'll be this Thursday. You're right. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Ahead. Anyway, we can't. We can't do math, y'all. Follow us. We're drunk. So you Bye. know what we're doing. <laughs> if you follow us, you'll know what we're doing when we know what we're doing, we're, and it's a beautiful thing. We're almost as drunk as that woman who Patrick Bateman did something between her legs and made his face covered in blood. Listen, she was and, very drunk until she started screaming. I was like, I almost forgot what he did to him last time. And he's just like, Oh no, we can't be up in the bed with him no more. No, we gotta get out of here. No, nah, put uh, your panties on, girl. Go, go. And on that note, put your panties on, girl. We're getting out of here. Thank you all for listening. And as always, make sure you stay fierce out there. Bye.